We're going to jump in pretty quick tonight. I'm super excited for our passage, and we're going to continue through this series. And the title of the message tonight is, In Christ I Am Secure, Part 1. In Christ I Am Secure, Part 1. And man, I'd love for y'all to make some noise for this passage. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to John chapter 10 tonight. John chapter 10 tonight. We're looking at verses 1 through 18 tonight, and man, we're looking at all the words of Jesus, and man, there's no better word than the word of God. There's no better word than what Jesus tells you, and so I'm super excited to walk through this, and man, when I think about this idea of secure, you know, many of you might think of different things. You might think of a seatbelt. You know, you might think of a tight grip. You, my, my buddies in my D group, we think about a belt around our back when we're deadlifting heavy and things like that. We all desire security, and a big thing that I think about is I love roller coasters. Is anybody out there a roller coaster junkie? All right, not many. All right, I thought I would expect more. I'm be honest. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Um, me and my now fiance Skyler. <laughs> Amen. Thank y'all. Um, we. She's from Orlando, Florida. And let me tell you something. If you don't, if you date a girl, get engaged, and plan to marry a girl from Orlando, Florida, and you don't go to Universal Studios. You are missing out on the Florida experience. And she has given me that for sure, from the food, from the, the views. But Universal Studios is one of the big things. I got to go with her, and we got to ride all these roller coasters. And hands down, my favorite roller coaster it tops every amusement park I've been to. It's this new ride. It's been open for a few years, but it's called the Velocicoaster. And I got a picture of it on the screen. This is at Islands of Adventure right here. And as you can see, there's a lot of twists. There's a lot of turns. There's a lot of height to it, and I want to give you some features of this roller coaster. I, I studied my passage, I promise, but also I did study the Velocicoaster a little bit this weekend. Um, the Velocicoaster, it consists of 4,700 feet of track, so it's a, pretty, it's a pretty long track. Not only that, as you see from, I'll go from the left of the picture to the right of the picture, you see that hill, that is a 155-foot hill, but here's the catch about that. It is at an 80-degree angle. So when you get to the top of that bad boy, you're dropping straight down. And the Velocicoaster, it can get up to 70 miles per hour in 2.4 seconds. I know my car gurus are like, oh, my car is faster than that. No, it's not. This can go fast. But here's the thing about the Velocicoaster. I think about the designer of the Velocicoaster. I think about the guys who, and the ladies that built this. Because even the scariest part, there's two scary parts about this. The first one is... If you see right there over the water, the track, you literally go upside down. And I kid you not, it feels like your head is skimming the water. It feels like your head will, can go under the water. But not only that, I've pulled this quote from um, Orlando, getinformedorlando.com. And it compares this ride to its neighbor in Universal Studios called Rip Ride Rocket. And the only thing that's holding you in this seat at the Velocicoaster is a lap bar. You know, most roller coasters, you feel really secure with the, the, the bars that go over your shoulders. But this Velocicoaster, it only holds you in by a lap bar. And so when you think about the builder of a, of a roller coaster, man, they have to go through, I probably hope, a lot of steps to get something like that approved. And, you know, some of the obvious ones are like, how fast does it go? How tall is it? How many upside downs do you, how, how many times do we go upside down? How many twists? How many turns? But the biggest thing that a builder has to think about, a designer has to think about when it comes to a roller coaster, is how secure is the person in the seat. 
And I'm going to be honest with you, college students, the, the detail that goes in a roller coaster is very, very detailed. Because obviously, if they don't pass the security check of a roller coaster, it's not safe and it won't be open for operation. But if you think the designer of a roller coaster has to go through all that to make sure their people are secure in the ride, how much more do you think the designer of this world wants you to be secure? Tonight, as we walk through John chapter 10, I have three points for you, and they all come from what Jesus says about him being our shepherd and us being his sheep. Jesus desires you to be secure in this world, but you can only be secured in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And let me tell you something, that lap bar, Skylar and I, we've rode the Veloster Coaster three, four, five times. She did not ride it with me after the first time. I had to ride it by myself. But I knew I was secure by that lap bar, but I know much more that my Savior, Jesus Christ, my salvation, my destination after this earth is secured because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And he's done the same for you. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at John chapter 10 and what, the, what Jesus says for us when it comes to being secure. And so I'd love to pray for us. And man, I just encourage you guys as we walk through this. I just want you to think in your life, where are you right now? Do you know what it's like to be secured and have a secure relationship with Jesus Christ? Because John chapter 10, Jesus tells us how we can have that. Let's pray and we're going to read our passage. Heavenly Father, you're good, Lord. God, I thank you for you. God, I thank you for tonight from the worship, Lord. And God, bringing the first time guest in the room tonight. And God, that we just get to come to this place each and every Monday, whether it's a costume contest, Lord, worshiping you, God, a bonfire next week. God, we just want to be with other people, God, that are chasing after you, Lord. God, would you draw us to yourself tonight, God, Lord? Would you remove all distractions from this place tonight? God, would you help us to know that we can be secure by knowing you as our personal Lord and Savior, God? Lord, speak to us tonight through John chapter 10, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And look with me. We're going to start at verse 1 tonight of our chapter tonight. And I'm going to start reading. And I'm going to go through verse 6. And God's word says this right here. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Verse 6 says, Jesus gave them Excuse me. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. College students, tonight, point one for us. If you want to know that you're secured, it is secured by knowing God's voice. You are secured by knowing God's voice. And in these first six verses, there's so much to walk through, and we could just spend time on just verse three, but I'm going to walk through it as quickly as I can because, man, this is rich stuff. If you can grab what it means, if you can understand what it means to know God's voice in your life. And in verse one, Jesus clearly says, if somebody climbs into the sheep pen by some other way, that person is a robber and thief. And to give you a little context of this time, when Jesus was on earth, the political and spiritual leaders were often called shepherds in the ancient world. 
So what Jesus is explaining is that not everyone among the sheep is a true shepherd. But some of the political leaders are like thieves and robbers. And you think about the comparison. Think about what comes to your mind when you think about a thief and a robber. Probably not a good connotation with it. And a mark of there being a thief and a robber is how they gain entry among the sheep. That's what Jesus is explaining right here. And the religious leaders of this time, a lot of times they would gain their place among God's people, the sheep, through personal or political connections, formal education, ambition, manipulation, or corruption. And so Jesus is warning us against, honestly, another verse, a cross-reference is the sheep in wolves' clothing. And in verse 2, we see Jesus, he gives us the contrast of what a true shepherd looks like. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The idea is that there is a door. There is a proper way to gain entry to the sheep. A true shepherd comes in the correct and designed way through love, calling, care, and sacrificial love. And Jesus is using this image, imagery to describe himself and to emphasize the importance of his followers, us, his sheep, to have a personal relationship with him our personal shepherd. And we see in verse three, there's a gatekeeper that opens the door for the shepherd and that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. Watch this. In the spiritual picture Jesus spoke of, the door for the sheep pen had a gatekeeper. This is an important person because this was the person who watched, who came in and went out. The gatekeeper knew the true shepherd and appropriately granted him access to the sheep. And in towns of this time, sheep from many flocks were kept, of, um, kept for the night in a common sheepfold. And then they were overseen by the gatekeeper who regulated which shepherds brought the, and took specific sheep. But what's crazy is, and I love, this is my favorite part of this verse right here. The second part of this verse is what encourages me the most. Is the shepherd calls the sheep by name and leads them out. Don't miss that. The shepherd calls the sheep by name and leads them out. And what this shows is the shepherd has a personal connection with his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. And with the shepherds, their responsibility for the sheep was to lead them and provide direction. The shepherd was the sheep's leadership. And the whole idea of this is that Jesus knows you by name, college student. You're not just another person in the earth, but man, God wonderfully created you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And Jesus desires to give you leadership. Jesus desires to give you direction in your life. But the question I have to ask you tonight, college student, is do you know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And if you do, do you know how to distinguish God's voice from the voices of the world? Think about it this way. You could scream as loud as you can for your favorite musician, your favorite athlete, or any celebrity that you want to think of. Like, I think about my boy Gavin Berryman. If he was at a Timberwolves game, he would probably scream, Patrick Beverly's not there anymore, but he would scream for Pat Beverly out of all the NBA players on the Timberwolves team. And what's crazy is, amen, boo, he, if you want to talk to him afterwards, he thinks uh, the Timberwolves are better than the Grizzlies, but that's another conversation. But check this out. Gavin could scream as loud as he wanted to for Anthony Edwards or any other NBA player on that team. But since Anthony Edwards doesn't know Gavin, he wouldn't be able to distinguish, oh, that's Gavin calling me. And take it even a step further, Gavin, you could meet Anthony Edwards, 
well, there's a slim chance of him actually remembering your name. But what's crazy is the creator of the world knows each of you by first and last name. He knows you personally, and he desires to have a relationship with you. But the question is, do you sit down and create space to hear from God in your daily life? And if you want an encouraging voice to pray over your life, it is Psalm 116, verses 1 through 2. And I'm going to give you, and I'm going to say that about every single verse because all the Bible is encouraging to you. And you should pray scripture over your life. That will deepen your prayer life. Well, look what Psalm 116 says about when you pray. It says this right here. I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy. Verse 2, I love this. Because he has turned his ear to me, I will call out to him as long as I live. Other, other as long as I live. Other versions of that verse right there, it says he has inclined his ear to you. So literally, when you pray to the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who created this place, when you pray to him, he turns to you and says, I'm listening. But what's so crazy is, let me keep going. Let me ask you this question. Why trust in creation when the creator is there for you at all times? So many of us, when decisions get hard, when times get tough, we run to the creation, we run to the things that are closest to us, instead of all of us should have, have access to this, but we don't run to this. And if you don't spend time in God's word, don't be shocked if you don't know God's word. Don't be shocked when you don't know God's voice, when you don't spend time trying to listen to hear from God. You aren't just a random person on this earth, but your creator knows you personally and desires a relationship with you. And verse four shows us that the shepherd goes ahead of us, goes ahead of the sheep, and the sheep will follow because they know the voice of the shepherd. In common sheepfolds of ancient times, the shepherd merely gave his distinctive call, and his sheep came out of the others. So don't, again, don't miss that. He gave a distinctive call and the sheep would know how to pick it out because the sheep and the shepherd spent time together. You have to spend time in the word if you want to know God's voice. If you want to know God's direction in your life, you have to start here. And studying sheep, I learned that they are really good at discerning voices. I learned that through much studying of sheep, the Velocicoaster in John chapter 10. And in a world that is so loud, we need to be able to discern, discern the voices in our life. And this makes me think about a time I was in middle school. You know, I played basketball at Elmore Park Middle School. Man, I had a blast there. That's actually where I met our, our college pastor. I call him coach still. So if I ever refer to him as coach, that is why he coached me in middle school and high school basketball. And so coach very clearly remembers this story. Um, but I remember it was, man, you know, middle school games, if I'm being quite honest, they have some energy to them. The, man, you had your family, you had your friends, you had the pet band. You know, the, the noise and the energy of a middle school basketball game was honestly kind of live. And I, I remember this moment. We were playing this middle school called Woodstock Middle School. If you went to Appling or Chatelon or Bonlin, you know, you probably played against Woodstock. And I remember I was in the game and the ball got swung to me in the corner. And I remember I heard, I heard so many voices. I heard Coach Edwards, my head coach that year, he was calling the play. He was, I don't remember the play. I'm not, that, I'm not that good. I wish I did. He was calling a play. My teammates were saying, Dakota, swing it back, swing it back. And then I heard a third voice, my mom and my stepdad. Cody, shoot it. Shoot it. And in this split second, I had a decision to make. Do I listen to my coach? Do I listen to my teammates? 
or do I listen to my parents? And I wish I could tell you I listened to my coach, but man, I launched that thing. I'm a lefty. I was at the three-point line. I absolutely just let that thing fly. Yes, I missed the shot, but I did get fouled. Amen. I did get fouled. And what's funny about that is I remember after the game, my head coach came up to me. He was very clear with me, too. He said, Dakota, you better be glad you got fouled on that shot because I was about to pull you. And if anybody played at Elmore Park, you know Coach Edwards. He grab, if he wants to get somebody out, he grabs the next player by the front of the jersey. Go get him. And I said, well, praise the Lord, I got, I got fouled that, that night. But, man, it's, such a, it's a silly illustration. It's a silly thought. But this is what I learned about that. When you listen to the wrong voices in your life, it will lead you to make wrong decisions in your life. And hear me, man, my mom and stepdad, they, they love me, they care for me, they want me to make great decisions. But obviously when it comes to basketball, when it comes to moments like that, man, my parents wanted what's best for me. You know, they wanted me to score the most points. They wanted me to have the most rebounds. They wanted me to be the star. But my coaches, they wanted what's best for the team. They knew what was best for the team. And when I listened to the wrong voice, it got me in trouble, honestly. If I wouldn't have got, if I wouldn't have got fouled, I would have been sitting in the pine the rest of the game probably. And so for you college students, what voices are you listening to in your life? Because the voices that you listen to, the people that you listen to, that has more influence on your life than you know it. And because the question you have to ask yourself is the people that are talking to you, the people that are investing in you, the people that are giving you advice about your life, how much of their advice is rooted in the word of God? How much of their advice, their wisdom per se, because wisdom comes from God. We see that very clearly in James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. How, many, how much of their knowledge and the things that they're telling you to do is rooted in Scripture? Because if it's not rooted in Scripture, you don't need to listen to that. But so many times, many of us, we don't know if it's rooted in Scripture or not because we don't know the Scripture. And it all starts, it starts with your daily time in the Lord. If it's five minutes, give God five minutes. That's better than zero. And then as I'm telling you, I, man, I, I talked to a college student a few weeks ago. I gave him a Bible reading plan, and he texted me that night. He said, Dakota, I started reading, and believe it or not, man, I didn't want to stop. Because, God, man, when you read God's word, God word get, God's word gets into you. But you can't live out God's word if you're not living in God's word. That will change the decisions you make. That will change the trajectory of your life if you will just spend time in God's word. And hear me say this, college students. I remember, I mean, I love Grace Goble's testimony. Man, if you don't know Grace Goble, man, get to know her. But also, man, if you don't know the people in your life's testimonies, man, you need to ask them about their story, how God changed their life. But I can tell you this. If you don't know how to read your Bible, you are not alone. I remember stepping into college as an 18-year-old. I had no idea how to read my Bible. But it started from daily practice. We just heard from Kaylee Malone before the service tonight, and she talked about, man, it takes practice to know how to read God's Word. It takes practice to know how to pray. You just don't wake up one day and figure it all out. No, it is progress not perfection. You are chasing progress. You're chasing the presence of Jesus. You're not chasing perfection because none of us can reach perfection. And continuing through our verses, verse five shows us the sheep will never follow a voice of a stranger because they don't know the voice of a stranger. In fact, it says the sheep will run away from that voice because they don't know it. College students, when confusing voices come into your life, do you run to them or do you run away from them? 
Because if you're not running to God's word, what are you running to? Let me ask it another way. Do you know the difference between the voice of your shepherd and the voices of the world? And notice that I said the voice of your shepherd. Look at Psalm 23, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice that, my shepherd. I have what I need. The Lord is a personal shepherd for you. And knowing the difference between the voice of the shepherd and the voices of the world will make a difference in how you live your life. Running to the voices of the world gives you absolutely nothing. But running to the shepherd gives you security. And think about this. You want to know why so many people walk around insecure? It's because they're listening to the voices of the world instead of the voices of the shepherd. So many people have all these questions. So many people walk around not knowing what to do with their future, not knowing what to do, what's down the line, not, not knowing what, I mean, who am I going to marry, all these questions. And it's because, and you get so insecure, you get so frazzled because you're not listening, you're not in God's word. And I'm going to say it over and over and over again tonight until we grasp it because this is the direction. This is how you get direction in your life, and that is reading God's word. This is what I challenge you with tonight, college students. Instead of listening to the voices of the world that drain your life, Start listening to the voice of the shepherd that created life. Instead of listening to the voices of the world that drain your life, start listening to the voice of the shepherd that created life. God knows everything about your life. He just wants you to create space. He desires for you to spend time with him. But are you going to create space that you can hear from? That's up to you. I heard Brother Steve says it all the time. I've been, we've been hearing it from um, Daniel, our college pastor. Man, God's a talker. God is a talker. But we're just not, we're not the listeners. What can you do in your daily schedule? What can you take off your plate each day so that you can spend time in God's word, that you can get with God and hear from him? Look with me back at our passage. We'll continue to read through this right here. And Jesus says this in verse 7. He says it another way. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. Verse 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Not only are you secured by knowing God's voice, but number two, you're secured by knowing the gate. Number two, you are secured by knowing the gate. And all through, all through the book of John, the book of John is about the deity of Christ, how, why Jesus Christ is God, how is Jesus Christ God. And right here, man, this is one in verses 7 through 10. This is one of two. I am statements that Jesus says just in this passage right here. Man, if you want to know who Jesus is, go find the I am statements of the Bible. Go read who Jesus says that he is because he tells you very, very clearly in these I am statements. And this is one of two in just this passage. And he says, I am the gate. And this is Jesus. He's using another picture from sheep farming in this time. 
And in pasture lands for sheep, pens were made with only one entrance. That's very important. When sheep were going to go into their sheep pen, there was only one way to get in. And there was only one way to get out. And the door for those sheep pens were the shepherd himself. Verse 8 tells us that Jesus tells us that all who came before him are thieves and robbers. And again, seeing these words again, thief implies deception and trickery. And robber implies violence and destruction. These things take away life. These things take the joy away from our life. But Jesus gives us life. And not only that, Jesus wants to give you life abundantly. Praise God for that, man. God, know, if you want to know what God wants for your life, he wants to give you abundant life. Well, here's the catch. Abundant life isn't what you think it is. Oh, Jesus, man, this is my definition of abundant life. No, no, no. Jesus' abundant life, his definition is the best type of life for you. But the question is, are you going to go the way that Jesus has for you? Because, again, there was one gate for the sheep. There was one gate for the sheep. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. There's one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. And he says it in another I am statement, uh, John 14, 6, that will pop up on the screen. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't miss that. Jesus doesn't say, I am one of the gates. Jesus says, I am the gate. Jesus doesn't say, I am one of the ways. I am one of the truths. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and nobody goes to the Father except through him. And we've already read Psalm 23, verses 1, but look at verses 2 and 3 with me. It says this right here. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I love verse 3. He renews my life. Jesus renews your life. He can renew your life. And he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Don't miss that. Jesus leads you along the right paths for his name's sake. Jesus being the gate in the way means that Jesus wants to give us direction in our life. But so many of us are actually are just too hard-headed to listen. We don't take the direction that Jesus wants to give us in our life. And that makes me think of a GPS. How many of us in here need a GPS to get from place to place? Uh, like when, I'm talking about like out of town, obviously. I mean, I, there's, obviously, there's a few places for me. I know exactly how to get there. I know how to get to Bellevue Baptist Church, praise God. I know how to get to my apartment. It's obvious I haven't missed a meal. I know how to get to restaurants. I know how to get to the gym. But if it's outside of Memphis, I'm not going to lie, I need a GPS. But here's the purpose of a GPS. Man, the GPS is such a useful tool because what we get to do is we get to put the address in, and it gives us step-by-step step how to get from one place to the other. Praise the Lord for GPSs. But even further, when you miss a turn, and I know many of y'all are probably this type of driver or your parents might be this type of driver, you don't listen to the GPS because you think, oh, I know how to get there. I don't need the GPS, but then you end up getting lost. Anybody been there in the car before? Oh, just me. Okay, say no more. We'll talk about that later. The GPS is there for you to direct you to get from one place to the other. Our job isn't to be the GPS. Our job is to listen so we get to the place that we're supposed to go. And Jesus does the same exact thing for us. Through his word and his spirit, Jesus reroutes us back to the route that he had for us originally. But again, just like many of us driving, we, want, we don't want to listen to the GPS. We want to go our own way. We want to get there in our own time. 
and then we end up getting lost. If you do that in your life, if you do that with your calling, if you do that with your purpose, you try to do it your way, you're going to be lost. You will miss the direction that God has for your life if you don't listen to the direction that he's given your life. Jesus is the gate. He is the way for your life. In Psalm 119, 105, another great verse for you to pray over your life is this. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Jesus gives us step-by-step direction where he wants us to go, but we have to be faithful to him. We have to listen to the direction that he's given us in our life. And the question we have to answer is, will we trust the route that Jesus has for our life, or are we going to trust our route? Jesus being the gate and the way in our life isn't keeping us from something. Instead, it's giving us everything we need. Think about the Bible. So many times I talk to college students and people who don't love Jesus. They think the Bible is keeping them from all these things instead, but they're missing the whole point because the Bible is giving us everything that we need in this life. Jesus doesn't want to keep you from things. Jesus isn't keeping you from the fun of life. Jesus isn't keeping you from the good things in life. Jesus wants to give you the good things of life. Jesus wants to give you the fun things in life. But according to his way, his direction, his instruction, not our way, not our instruction, because we see very early on in Genesis what our way and what our instruction, our direction get us to. It gets us in to sin. And tell me the last time sin did anything good in your life. Tell, think of, if you can think of a time that sin did something good for your life, I'd be shocked. My team would be shocked because sin is what takes all the fun and all the joy out of your life. But walking with the Lord, listening to God's voice, listening to the gate, going through the gate that gives you all the joy, all the fun, all the desires of your heart. But it has to align with this. It has to align with this. The gate for the sheep is their way to experience protection and security from everything that is outside the gate. There was a purpose in only having one gate for the sheep. Because if the sheep tried to go in any other way besides that one way, they would, they would miss it. They would get hurt. They would get taken. They would get lost. There's purpose in Jesus being the only way. Because he wants to give us purpose. He wants to give us direction. Jesus doesn't want you to be lost. But you have to go through the gate. Jesus is your gate so that you can experience the protection and security from everything that is not of him. And so many of you are going through your college life. So many of you are going down a path that has no purpose because you aren't following the direction of the one who knows your path and gives you purpose. You're choosing your own path. You're trying to make up your own purpose. But Jesus knows your purpose. Jesus wants to give you purpose. But I go back to the same question I've been harping on. Are you listening? And we see in this part of our, of our verses tonight that Jesus warns against the thief. We're told that a thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and he wants to give it to us in abundance. And Jesus says this to contrast his shepherd-like care with unfaithful and the illegitimate leaders of this time. And you might ask the question, what does Jesus mean by abundant life? The world would describe this as an easy or a comfortable life. 
But Jesus' definition of an abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in him. Abundant life is satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. The things of this world will change every single day. Your bank account changes. Your grades change. Your career can change. Your circumstances can change. Your car can change. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the one you can trust. Don't put your trust in your car. Don't put your trust in your career. Don't put your trust in your money. Because that can all be stripped away. Your security is not in anything of this world. Your security is in the creator of this world. Don't miss what else Jesus means by this. Jesus doesn't just want us to have eternal life, but he wants you to experience eternal life to the fullest. Following the shepherd leads to blessing and an opportunity to grow in your experience of eternal life. But the question I have for you college students is, are you growing in your experience? Are you growing in what it's like to have eternal life? Do you know Jesus more today than you did yesterday? Do you desire the things of God? Or are you still desiring the things of this world? Because that will tell you a lot about your heart. That will tell you a lot about where you are with your relationship with Christ. And I guarantee you, if you're trying to put your life together through the things of this world, through the money, through the career, through a, another person trying to chase, man, I need a future wife, I need a future husband. You, you're going to fall short and feel empty every single time. But if you go through the gate, you have security. When you go through Jesus Christ, you have satisfaction. When you go through Jesus Christ, you have fulfillment. Jesus can fulfill the desires in your life, but they have to be according to him, according to his will according to his way. And man, just as Grace, as Grace Goble said early on, she kept fighting the fight, this, this, this never-ending fight, until she said, God, you have it your way. And I love what she said. She said, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the Lord. That can be your testimony, but you got to go through the gate. You have to go through the gate. And look with me at verse 11, and we're going to read through verse 18. And this is what God's word says right here. I am the good shepherd. And I love this part of the verse right here. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Verse 14 again says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. I laid down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the father loves me, because I laid down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The last point that I have for us tonight, college students, is you are secured by knowing the good shepherd. You are secured by knowing the good shepherd, not just any shepherd, but the good shepherd. 
And here we see Jesus make his second I am statement in this passage. And Jesus states that he is the good shepherd. And don't miss what Jesus means by this. We have to look at the verses following this statement to understand what he means by this. Many shepherds of this time, they may have taken risks for the safety of their sheep. But it was probably very rare to find the one who would willingly die for his sheep. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage right here in these verses 11 through 18. He willingly died for us. Don't miss that. Jesus Christ willingly died for us because he wants us to know him. He wants us to have a better life. He wants us to bring other people to him. But that only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus being our good shepherd and us being the sheep, he voluntarily laid down his life for the sheep. And all through the Bible, you see this. You see this imagery of sheep and shepherd. And one of them is Isaiah 40, verse 11. And it's talking about Jesus right here. It says, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. Ezekiel 34, verses 12 through 15 says, As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds in total darkness. I will bring them out from the people, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. He gently leads those that are nursing. Man, us as Jesus' sheep, he wants to give you rest. I know all of you desire rest. And another verse is Revelation 7, verse 17. And it says, For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus separates himself from every other shepherd of this time because he is the one to lay his life down for the sheep. Jesus laid his life down for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see the difference in Jesus as the good shepherd in verse 12. Jesus explains the difference between him as the good shepherd and the hired hand. The hired hand isn't the shepherd, so he doesn't own the sheep. And he runs away leaving the sheep when he sees a wolf, when he sees danger. And this happens because the hired hand doesn't care about the sheep. Hear me say this. The world doesn't care about you. The world doesn't care about us. Sin doesn't care about us. The decisions that we make, the bad decisions, the voices that aren't rooted in God's word, that, that isn't, those aren't caring words. When life gets hard, when was the last time the things of this world helped you in an effective way? Did those things make a difference in your life? Did those things make a difference in your situation? Did those things make a difference in your circumstance? Because, Colossians, the thing that I want you to grasp from verses 1 through 18 is this. Jesus cares about you. He cares about you to the point of death on a cross. And not only that, he did it voluntarily. 
You see, you see when he was before Pilate and the, the judges saying, man, I have authority over you. And Jesus responded to them, you have no authority over me. Jesus did it because he chose to do it out of obedience and out of love for you. But the question is, are you going to respond to that love? Or are you going to keep denying it and choosing the things of this world? I'm telling you, man, the things of this world are passing by. The things of this world, Grace Global said, your college days are passing by. What are you doing to bring people closer to Jesus? What are you doing to grow in your security and your relationship with Jesus? Because college students, I know you're busy right now. I get it. Exams, family, friends, studying, working, trying to have a social life. But let me tell you this. Life only gets busier. If you don't learn how to spend time with Jesus right now in college, don't expect when you don't try to do it. When you're a husband, when you're a wife, when you have children, when you're coaching, when you're doing whatever God's asked you to do. But you're not going to know what God's asked you to do because you haven't spent time and heard from him. You have to know Jesus as your good shepherd. And you have to know that he laid his life down for you voluntarily the good shepherd sacrifices for his sheep Jesus sacrificed his life for you when Jesus says I laid down my life for the sheep Jesus is speaking of his death on the cross Jesus is speaking in very clear terms right here it doesn't get any clearer than that I laid down my life for my sheep in John 12, 32, it says, as for me, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus desires for all people to know him. And in Acts 10, verses 34 through 36, Peter began to speak. Now, I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. And in our last two verses of the night, we read the reason that the father loves Jesus is that because Jesus lays down his life so that he may take it up again. The God we serve still isn't in the grave, college students. The God we serve is alive and is active in your life. And even though the Jews would hand him over and the Romans would crucify him, this was only possible because Jesus let them. Jesus allowed them. Jesus has authority over everything in your life. But are you, la are you letting him have authority? Are you still holding on? Do you still desire the control in your life? Or would you give the control, the leadership, the direction to your good shepherd? And I want to leave you with these last couple verses that come from this same passage. When it talks about being secure in Jesus Christ, when, man, when I think about being secure in Jesus Christ, I don't think there's any better verses than this right here. And it's John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. That should be on the screen. And it says this right here. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish look at that they will never perish and he continues to say no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all 
No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. When you know Jesus Christ is your good shepherd, college students, you cannot be snatched from his hand. Brother Steve described it a few weeks ago, and I loved it. When you're, in the, when you're walking with Jesus, when you're in the hand of God, it's, it, man, it, in a great study of the Bible, Daniel's done it. Brother Steve has done it. It's just t- studying the right hand of God. You see that all through Scripture. But right here, man, Brother Steve described it a few weeks ago. It's you being in God's right hand, and it's him clenching his left hand right over that right hand. And nothing can snatch you from the hand of the Father. But the question that I ask you is, do you know him as your father? Do you know him as the good shepherd of your life? College students, you can be secured by knowing God's voice. You can be secured by knowing him as the gate of your life, the way of your life. And you can know him as the good shepherd of your life.